Skunk ape, and it completely altered the course of my life. I found a skull. I think you guys are going to want to come film this. Put him out, put him out, put him out, put him out, put him out. I just say it, I just say it, I just say it. Sightings of a UFO hovering over a barn. Millie woke up from a dream, and when I went into the bedroom, she said, There's a monster on the wall. They saw that the creature had run through a barbed wire fence, they were able to obtain hairs. They sent the hairs to their lab and it came back as an unknown creature. Hey guys and welcome back to the most bizarre show on the internet. We are the connoisseurs of the strange, navigating the treacherous waters of the unknown to deep dive into the Mariana Trench of weird information to bring you guys the most bizarre encounters imaginable. We are the Bizarre Crew, and I am Shane. I'm Orn. And I'm Jenny. So Shane, uh, following up that tremendous intro. <laughs> I was feeling a little extra likely? today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. So uh, other than writing snazzy intros, anything exciting going on on your end? Well, for all the people who uh, know what I look like, I don't know how many of you actually know what I look like, but I've always been uh, the hippie Bigfoot. And part of that entailed the fact that I had long locks. So randomly, on Sunday, I decided to cut those babies off. So now, I'm no longer the hippie Bigfoot. I don't know what I am. I'm just the researcher guy with the hat. Call me generic. That's what I am now. But I feel better. It's lighter. And I feel less sweaty. So, perks to me. <laughs> well, it looks great. You're, you're Mr. Mr. Business now. You've got our Mr. Business. Mr. Condesseur of the Strange, right? <laughs> That's it, yes. <laughs> Did you lose all your strength like Samson? I did. I'm telling you. <laughs> I can't smell. No, I'm just like, I can't track no more. <laughs> You're just useless now. <laughs> Lost all my Native American heritage, man. <laughs> you dishonor your people. <laughs> you bring us dishonor. <laughs> I know that uh, you guys also did some exciting stuff this week, so I'm sure the listeners would also like to know what exciting stuff you guys have going on. Uh, yeah, a little bit of a teaser for possibly an episode we got coming up, but uh, Jenny, you want to share a little bit about our weekend adventure? Sure. So we ventured out because it was nice and sunny and went to the Mordecai house and um in raleigh in raleigh raleigh, yeah raleigh north carolina it's spelled like mordecai but it's mordecai Mordecai. (laughs) yes yes but it's um it's got a lot of history there was a lot going on so i won't tell too much we're going to save it for a future episode of local lore i believe um but we took took some of our toys and like not ghost hunting kind. toys. Not, not those kinds. Not, <laughs> not the toys. fun kind. A different type of fun, everybody. <laughs> a different type of fun. So we took 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 an EMF meter and rolling around in the smokehouse with the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the fun toys. <laughs> but yeah, that was a lot of fun. But we'll share more about that later. So, yeah, so that's just the teaser. 
that's a teaser. <laughs> so we did drop the name local lore. And for anybody that isn't familiar, because I don't know if we've actually dropped that concept yet, just to give everybody a little bit of a teaser of that too, Bite Size Bizarties. You know, the first two episodes I did by myself, of course, so it was just Bite Size Bizarties as it was. The last one, you know, now that I have these two awesome co-hosts, I uh, did with Oren, because unfortunately Jenny wasn't able to make it that night, and we did it Campfire Story style. So that one was called uh, Fireside um, Tales. So our intention is there's going to be subsections of Bite Size Bizarties. So we're going to be doing one called Local Lore, and that one, the whole concept of that is that we're going to pick a specific place. Uh, we're probably going to do it by state. That'll probably be the easiest way to do it. And then we'll kind of bounce around and come back to states. But the idea is that we're going to bring a paranormal story, a cryptid story, and a UFO story. And it's going to be one of our subsections. And there may be more in the future, but uh, that's just something to look out for. And I think that hopefully you guys will enjoy that a lot. And um, as, as that starts building up, maybe if you guys have some stuff that's specific to your state or region that you don't think outsiders of your state would know or even necessarily be able to find easy on the internet, we would love it if you guys threw those at us because we would love to cover that type of stuff on local lore. Like even if you just have some stuff that's maybe only known in your town, you know, throw that stuff at us and uh, just give us some more awesome stuff to do for that and make it even more personal for you guys. So. Yeah, we're absolutely looking forward to local lore. Um, we're getting it kicked off with an area near and dear to us and close to our neck of the woods. Um, but going from that, if uh, any of you listeners out there have any bizarre encounters that you want to share with us, we're always looking to hear strange stories. Uh, so you can contact us through social media on our email, which is bizarreencounters at outlook.com. Um, so any researchers out there or authors or anything like that, please reach out to us if you want to come on the show. Or like I said, any listeners that just want us to talk about any subjects or anything like that, we're all ears. You guys can also hit us up through the uh, submission form on the link tree. Uh, and when it comes to email, I always say this and I got to mention it in every single show just in case somebody misses it. Uh, everything seems to go to spam or junk. We do respond to everything. So keep an eye out there. Uh, if you don't want that to happen at all, uh, you can do a few things at once. Go and follow us on social media. Uh, you can also shoot me a message on Instagram. That's the one that I'm the most active on. And uh, if you guys want to get even more in-depth with the community, you guys can pop in on the Telegram or the Discord. Uh, we're still building that up. I keep saying that. Uh, people are starting to trickle in one by one, and it's starting to build up. So it's just a matter of time. And the only way it's going to happen is with you guys. So we appreciate you guys bouncing in and uh, hanging out with us. Uh, if you guys want to support the show, uh, there's multiple ways of doing that also. Uh, you guys can go and get some awesome merch for Bizarre Encounters, Bite Size Bizarreties, all that fun stuff over at the Open Minds Media merch store. Uh, you guys can also go and check out the Open Minds Media Patreon where you'll get early access to the show, live feeds of the show, live replays of the show, um, possibly building up some more stuff in the future. Maybe we'll do some uh, specific stuff that might just be Patreon exclusives as far as the Bizarre Encounter side goes, but uh, we'll coordinate that when the time comes. Uh, if you guys want to donate to us directly to help us upgrade some equipment, hopefully get a new mic for uh, Orin and Jenny, upgrade their stuff so it sounds clean and crisp, you guys can go and uh, donate on Red Circle, which is our RSS host. Uh, you can find that link all the way down at the bottom. If you guys want to support some more local creators or small creators, I don't want to say local, I guess, because it depends on where you're at, but I guess we'll just we'll just call them uh, smaller creators. You guys can go and check out Joe at Crypto Theology. Always killing it over there with some awesome designs. Uh, cryptid, alien, paranormal related, Whatever it is, if you guys have an interest in the strange, I guarantee you guys will find some awesome merch over there. Oh, and every link that we've mentioned is listed in the link tree in the show description. So jumping back in today, 
Uh, the way that we're going to be running these, I know we mentioned it on the last show, but it's kind of like whoever ends up uh, kind of writing the notes for the episode is going to be the one that's kind of running that show. So that being said, the last thing that we covered, uh, we're kind of going through Dogman encounters, um, going through the years. And the last one we hit was Sparta in 1987. So now we'll be taking you to Reed City in 1993 for Courtney's Bizarre Encounter. So without further ado, let's get into these awesome Michigan Dogman encounters. The area around Reed City, Michigan has been a hot hotbed of dogman activity. This report details an event that occurred nearly 20 years ago, but the witness remembers it like it was yesterday and is unshakable in her story. Her name is Courtney, and her encounter took place back in winter of 1993 or 1994, kind of in between the two years. Courtney was a teenager at the time and was sneaking cigarettes behind her parents' home near Todd Lake, northeast of Reed City. The sun was setting on a clear, cold winter day. Courtney was facing a large abandoned barn on the property next door. She said, The barn had always kind of spooked me out. It was filled with rusty old equipment. The outer planks were all rotten, and it sagged and leaned in every direction. My dad said to stay away, as the whole thing could collapse. On that evening, I was standing about 50 feet from the barn and saw sunlight coming through the gaps on the siding. Courtney took her eyes off the barn for a few minutes, then something caught her attention again. There was some movement. The light flickered, but I couldn't really tell what it was. Then it turned its head back and looked straight at me. It was at least six feet tall, if not more. It was dark colored. It had a dog-like appearance, pointy nose, and really big pointy ears. Courtney dashed into her house to grab a flashlight. When she returned outside, she shined it towards the barn door, but the animal was no longer there. She walked closer to the barn to look for tracks in the heavy snow. When she didn't see any, she realized the creature might still be inside and ran back to the safety of the house. She never saw the creature again. She later talked to a neighbor who had seen something the size of a buffalo but the shape of a dog in the same barn a few months before Courtney's encounter. The neighbor said she had been so frightened she was nearly hysterical for days. Her father had taken his gun and searched the barn but had found nothing. So, Courtney's encounter is the typical, you know, hanging out near a barn. Um, as far as this type of stuff goes, kind of kind of fairly obvious, in, the, in my opinion at least, that m- more than likely they're probably looking for food. They're probably hanging out near the barn, looking for whatever live stock they can slowly pick off one by one. That's kind of at least the impression that I get as far as this goes, that it wasn't really interested in her. It was probably more so interested on the food that was available on the land itself. And that's kind of why it was like hanging out in the area and the other neighbor saw it a couple months prior was because it wasn't trying to draw direct attention to itself because it probably had a food source. And as far as this one goes, I'll have to dig into it a little bit more on the side to uh, see if there was maybe some uh, like livestock that was missing in the area at the time. Um, Just, you know, trying to think of possible theories on uh, at least the behavior, at least in in this encounter. Well, and if this was, you know, in the dead of winter in Michigan, it could be as simple as this thing was just trying to keep warm too. See, and if that was the case also, that would almost entail that, you know, it it seems like more often than not things that are canine kind of seem to move in packs. So if it was something trying to stay warm in this barn, assumably there may have been more nearby that are waiting to see if there was safety in the barn or they were already in the barn somewhere else. And she was only able to catch eyes on one of them that may have been near the door. 
Yeah, and I mean, from other stories we've covered, you know, like Land Between the Lakes type stuff, where these things can throw stones and sticks and stuff like that, I mean, it doesn't seem outside of the realm of possibility that they can open a barn door, you know? Yeah, posable thumbs, they got that. Assumably, they all have posable thumbs. I mean, that that's part of like the whole hum- humanoid concept, I guess, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But the question is, though, the level of intelligence, like, Assumably, you know, Sasquatch, when you're talking about that, that's considered a more intelligent creature. But, like, I don't know if anybody's really discussed, like, the level of intelligence of, like, a dogman. Um, other than the fact of, like, the closest analogy that I've ever heard is that it's almost like a primate compared to a dog in how they would get food. Where, you know, like, a primate may open the lock to a door to get the food that's inside where a dog may rip the door off to get to the food on the inside. It's not that it's not capable of solving the problem or the puzzle, but it just has a more primal way of getting to the solution of the puzzle. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of the research I've done, it seems like the stories that I've heard and read about Dogman, they don't exhibit the same level of intelligence that's like normally reported in Sasquatch sightings. And of course, they're probably more intelligent than a standard animal or even a primate, but are they as intelligent as humans or Bigfoot? I mean, maybe, but it kind of seems like they kind of lie maybe a step below that. Well, and you said the thing about thumbs. I actually didn't know this. But wouldn't that lead you to believe it has more um, DNA of a primate than, or or at least some, so maybe more intelligent than a canine? See, one thing that I've kind of wondered, at least, is we relate a lot of stuff to being like primate-like if it kind of has like our shape and build. But maybe it's not primate at all. Maybe there's a DNA that's a common ancestor between like us, Sasquatch, Dogman, all these things. And it's something that was put in place with these things to progress forward, if that makes any sense. Like, it's not human DNA. It's some other type of DNA that was introduced that made it so that, you know, we were able to turn into what we turned into. And these things were able to turn into Sasquatch and Dogman and all of that thing. So rather than looking at it like it's human-like, maybe it's it's something a little bit more beyond that. And we're like something else rather than, like, using us as the base for, like, something that looks like us like we need to look at it like there's something beyond us that we and these things look like yeah some genetic modifier that was introduced at some point and what these different things branched off from that and then that brings up the question of where did that thing come from who add who or what added that in or how did that come about i mean maybe it's an adaptation thing in the aspect of it's not primate necessarily to be shaped that way but maybe it's it has to come with like a certain level of like intelligence you know like in order for something to be able to adapt in the world and interact with the world in the manner in which it does it needs to be able to be upright it needs to be able to use its hands it needs to be able to interact with the world with that build and that like that body style you know what i mean so rather than it being specific to like one animal kingdom it's just something that happens as something becomes intelligent i mean even going back into like like, the whole ideas of like evolution that you know we start walking upright and then that's when everybody starts progressing like mentally well yeah and you know back to natural selection on a long enough continuum maybe this is the most efficient form for something to take you know and that's why all these things kind of end up with this 
vaguely humanoid form. Because, I mean, the only way I feel like you could really progress to make it even more easy to interact with the surroundings is not necessarily a different build, but like adding more arms theoretically. So then that kind of begs the question of as things progress in the future, would we adapt to theoretically maybe have like more arms so that we're more capable to interact with things in our surroundings like at once? And then also with more arms, would that mean that you'd almost need to have more mental capacity in order to be able to like fully operate all of those arms individually? Well, that kind of gets back to, you know, octopuses and these ideas that they might come from somewhere else because they can do things that other animals can't do and, you know, exhibit all these skills and aptitudes that aren't really common for the animal kingdom. So, I mean, I think that's a really good thought. Like, is that the next step? Is We're just going to turn into this eight-armed jelly creature <laughs> i just imagine that scene from monsters inc where that one dude's trying to scare the kids and he's got the eight arms and he runs at him like with all the s arms <laughs> there we go that's the peak of human evolution right there monsters inc well, I think we're, uh, we're figuring out that disney knows something because duh haven't you seen lilo and stitch when yeah. stitch breaks out all those arms and wasn't that called the galactic federation just a shout back to another episode that we recently did it was. Yeah. Yeah, he, was, he was definitely an alien and so. wasn't there like a men in black type guy that was after oh, stitch like man. mr cobra or something? and he was actually working with them in the end <laughs> oh i cannot wait to watch this again all right <laughs> so we have our uh, drunken post recording activity yes. for, the night. <laughs> for tonight's uh feature it will be lilo and stitch not to get too conspiratorial, but as far as Monsters, Inc. goes, with the whole adrenochrome concept, I'm just going to leave that right there for anybody that wants to dig into it. But once you start connecting the dots, it's like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> They're extracting something from kids that creates power. Weird. <laughs> there you go. Wow, that's good. Mm-hmm. So not that like these two things are super duper connected, but you saying that just sparked something in my head. We watched... Um, that Jared from Subway documentary on Discovery Plus last night. Have you looked into any of that kind of stuff? Like with him basically being like a pedophile and all I know all is that, that he was, was selling footlongs and now he's taking footlongs. Well, he was giving them <laughs> to little kids first. That was the, the intermediate step. <laughs> but no, like we were watching this last night and just kind of talking same kind of thing, like not to get too conspiratorial, but like whole, Pizzagate type stuff. It kind of makes you question some stuff. But anyway, that was a a wild hair tangent. (laughs) We'll leave that one there because we uh, like conspiracies. Don't get me wrong. Of course, if you dig into this community, you're into conspiracies. But it's a matter of uh, this isn't a conspiracy show. Well, I mean, partly when you get into the alien stuff, that's a different type of conspiracies. (laughs) Those are fun conspiracies. (laughs) Those aren't uh, screwing little kids conspiracies. Yeah, that's a little bit. uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll wrap around. Maybe eventually we'll figure it out. I don't know. Well, we'll leave that there for now. We'll, we'll go back into the dogman for you guys. Cause I'm sure that's what you came for. So, <laughs> so, right, so now we're taking you to, uh, waters meet in 1994. This report comes to us from an anonymous collaborator who grew up in Sheboygan County, but spent many summers camping on family property in Michigan's upper peninsula. This encounter took place in the area of waters meet home of the famous Paulding lights phenomenon. Oddly enough, the Paulding Lights are also known as the Dog Meadow Lights. The man says, I'm assuming it was a man. I don't know if it's a man, but the person says, I was 13 
had just gotten new rollerblades for Christmas. And since the main road where our property sits is paved, I couldn't wait to ride them around. I went blading by myself and stopped to rest for a second. On this road, the woods are so thick, there's not much space between the road and the woods in most parts. And I remember seeing trees pushed down on the sides of that road that my dad said had been done by bears. And he was also an avid bear hunter. I remember not hearing any of your normal sounds of nature, not even birds. The air was still and the sky was going to be pitch black before too long. I was deciding to turn back when I heard a rustling behind me and something emerged from the left side of the road. I assumed it was a deer and paused and made myself as quiet as I could so I could watch it and slumped down on my stomach in the middle of the road. It was about 600 feet ahead of me. When I got myself settled on in the road to watch it and looked up that what I was looking at was not a deer. It was on all fours with gray brown fur and at first I feared the worst thinking a bear had caught my scent until I saw its outline and color. I thought I was looking at a dog until I realized the face was too primitive like a fox or a coyotes. At this point in my life I had never seen a wolf in real life and it was too far for me to make out the face exactly. The Michigan Department of Natural Resources has always recognized that wild wolves still roam in Upper Michigan, although they are thought to be in very limited numbers and only in extremely remote areas. It is conceivable this witness was seeing some of these wolves, but then something very strange happened. It extended its front legs and in the slowest, longest second of my life stood up on its hind legs, sniffed the air, walked for about five steps, then got back down on all fours and walked to the other side of the woods, then disappeared. I don't remember how long I lay in the middle of the road staring at the empty space I saw this thing stand like a human. I remember my jaw hanging down as low as it could and a pool of drool on the cement under it. It finally clicked in my mind that perhaps I should rollerblade my butt back to camp as quick as I could. <laughs> the witness reports that while the creature never stalked or pursued him or pursued her. Okay, so now we have confirmation it's a her. <laughs> The witness reports that while the, while the creature never stalked or pursued her, she slept very little during the rest of the family camping trip. She never told anyone about what she had seen, fearing she would be ridiculed. At the time of this sighting, she had never heard of the legend song and would not until 2004. She moved to Southern California in 2008 and has no interest ever camping there again. That's a good one. Um, I think the thing that really stuck with me on that one is, uh, what were you talking about? The lights that were observed in this area? Yeah, the um, dog meadow lights, a.k.a. the uh, paulding lights. Okay, so, you know, that's a big thing with like orbs and anomalous lights and whatnot, you know, are seen a lot of times with cryptid sightings and UFO sightings. And, you know, to see one of those things is extremely rare and it just seems like you know strange things like that happen in concert more than they should so i think that's really interesting that you know here's another place where orbs and lights in the sky are seen and then there's a cryptid connection there so i think that's really cool i mean we've kind of talked about like the different potential types of origins for like dogmen that i've referred to um, at least for this one, the ones with like the lights and like the weird land stuff with the trees. Uh, I know we talked about like the Native American dogmen warriors. 
Um, I kind of pertain it more to stuff like that, possibly like sacred grounds or something that has to do with like the spiritual link rather than it being like the government created ones or the, uh, I guess you could say like the standard, like, uh, like animalistic for lack of better term, like flesh and blood ones. Cause I kind of view it that there's like, like a spiritual aspect to them where those are more like the werewolf style ones, possibly. Um, there's the ones that are just a dog man or dog man. That's, that's just what they are. They can't transform. They can't turn in anything. They're just a dog man. And then there's the third portion, which would be like the, the gene splice government created military use dog men. Yeah, I, I feel mean, like this falls in my first category of this one. If they're being seen in the same places as these orbs and strange lights in the sky, that leads me to believe that it's some sort of, you know, energies or interdimensional or some sort of strangeness like that going on. Or we can just go back to uh, aliens are abducting dogmen because, I mean, shit, like if they're trying to check out the planet, do experiments, do research, kind of doing the same thing that we would do out in nature, like tagging animals, just watching animals behavior, things like that. If you found a random weird creature that theoretically maybe isn't supposed to exist somewhere, like why wouldn't you be all over that shit? So as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to like lights and UFOs and weird things seeing being seen around like Dogman, Sasquatch, Bigfoot, I don't think that they have like a direct connection with them. I think it's more so that they're just as interested in them as we are and they're checking them out to experiment on them or just watch their behavior. And kind of a theory I've kicked around for a while now, if we're going to entertain the idea that these extraterrestrials and UFOs are, you know, flesh and blood creatures and nuts and bolts crafts, which, you know, the further I get down this road, the less I believe that's exclusively what's going on but let's just entertain that thought for a second here you know if we are to think about you know like bob lazar element 115 type stuff it makes a lot of sense to me that you know this super dense element that these crafts are using to kind of beam from one place to the next can kind of rip these holes or these pinpricks in our reality that theoretically you know something AKA these dogmen could be, you know, seeping in through. So I think that's an interesting way to look at these like cryptid UFO connections. I actually had somebody on increase our reality last night and they were talking about this theory of timelines and it may pertain to this and I find it fascinating. So we live in a timeline that's a fractured timeline because of different things that we've done in this timeline. So like, you know, CERN, for example, all the particle colliders, um, all these different things we're trying to like break through into other realities. Uh, when you do things like this, it creates fractures in the timeline. And when there's fractures in the timeline, uh, he was describing it as imagine that you're in a dark room and there's a crack in the wall and it has light shining through it. Like, of course, your first interest is going to be to go over to that and keep picking at that piece until you're able to make it through to see what's on the other side. So that being said, that could also be the potential theory behind a lot of these cryptids is that they're not necessarily something that's from our timeline or intended to be here. But because we fractured our timeline so much, there's little cracks and things try to slide between those cracks just out of interest on what may be on the other side of it. Exactly. Like, that's pretty much my exact theory on cryptids and where they come from just kind of phrased a little bit differently and i'm sure uh that gentleman has done a lot more research and knows a lot more than i do but uh, shout out to yeah. uh, brian bowden so no that's pretty much exactly what i was getting at just uh, worded slightly differently 
Well, why not? Why not all of it? Like, why not all of it? The the tears due to the element one one fifteen, mm-hmm. and also the abductions. Why not both? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be naive to think that there's one catch-all explanation for anything that's this weird. And I think that you know the mask that these different things take it would be really easy to be like, oh, okay, so this is what's going on, when probably the truth is way stranger than that, and there are several different things going on. I mean, even theoretically speaking, they say that there's infinite amounts of dimensions or realities. So not every one of those is going to be completely off and different from the last one. So there may be thousands, millions, whatever, of dimensions that all contain humans pretty much exactly how we are now with just slight slight little tweaks and variants to it. So that being said, it doesn't necessarily mean that all these cryptids are coming from the same place. Like there could be 20 different dimensions or yeah. realities that just dogmen are coming out of because there are multiple infinite dimensions that all could also exist for them where they may be the prime animal or, uh, you know, like main alpha predator of their reality, kind of like how we are in our reality in a sense. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes perfect sense because at the point when we're doing these things that are you know, kind of cracking this door open. You basically don't know what's going to walk through it at that point. It makes sense to me that you don't know where this thing that walks through that door comes from. And it could come from, you know, one place, one time and another place the next time this sort of thing happens. And I mean, going into like the whole fractured concept too, you can almost look at it almost like a dam where you build a dam and it's all one solid piece of concrete and it's fine. It's structured. But then the one day that you decide to blow a hole into the side of it so that there's a door, you can mend that, yes, but it's never going to be repaired back to the same way that it was before. And you've already taken down the the structural integrity of the entire building or whatever you want to call the dam itself to begin with by trying to create another doorway within it. And the same kind of goes for our timeline that, you know, you can keep trying to do all of these different things, but it's never going to go back to how it was originally because the door's already been made. The door's there. There's no way to get rid of the door where it's not there anymore. You can close the door, but that doesn't mean that the door still doesn't exist in that location still. It's just a door is being closed temporarily. Well, yeah, it's kind of like a Pandora's box type situation. I mean, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube at that point. And I think what's interesting to think about the UFO phenomenon in kind of that light is what do all these abductees say that the message they get is you're destroying your planet. You're going to kill yourselves if you don't change your ways. I mean, if you look at it as far as whatever we've done as human beings to fracture this timeline and allow these things to happen is destroying us and our planet and our timeline yeah, you know, that adds a whole new wrinkle of how you can look at this sort of stuff. Very true. But uh, getting back into the dogman stuff, so that we don't go too far off on theories, because knowing our combination of stuff, we'll just keep going, and it'll it'll go way past dogman, and we'll just start getting into timeline theories. <laughs> we'll be back to Lilo and Stitch. Yep, <laughs> bring it back to Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> Speaking of, is that Stitch that's above you on that shelf? Yes. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought I noticed it while you were talking. There's also a pillow of one over on the bed over here. Gabby's a big uh, Stitch fan. <laughs> she I is am too. too. <laughs> it's her spirit animal. So is my daughter too. So just <laughs> adding on to the next generation. <laughs> there we go. 
I'll uh, try to quit derailing you. Oh, no, you're good. (laughs) So taking it now to Cass County in 2001. One witness claims a dogman was stalking up the hill behind their house in the late fall of 2001. They say, my stepdaughter and I were looking out the French doors only to see a creature black in color like a big bear with haunches and the head of a wolf. While that was the only visual Cass County, Michigan residents experienced, they can still hear it. The sounds of splashing and shrieking can be heard in the 20-acre swamplands at night. It was a scream of an infant, loud and hysterical. So, going into this place, it almost seems like uh, it's just a matter of some some good land, man. It's, It's about the swamp. Like, they had one visual of it, because it came kind of out of the swamp. But realistically, I'm assuming that knowing how Michigan swamplands are, this shit's probably so thick and impossible to try to walk through and get through that I'm sure this dog man is just uh, monopolizing on the fact that he pretty much has no no visitors when he's inside of his den or inside of his territory. So then they only get the, uh, the shrieks from the outside, <laughs> which I feel like is almost more horrifying. That's like that... Uh, scary movie concept that it's almost scarier if you don't see it (laughs) well i think there's a lot to unpack with that one i mean first off there's the idea that swamps and you know any kind of waterway is like a liminal state and paranormal things happen much more frequently in these kind of liminal states where water uh is present and but the big one is when you're talking about like the baby crying um, you know, that's a big thing with John Keel when he talks about like the two kind of auditory hallmarks of high strangeness events are, you know, the idea of a baby crying and then like a car door slamming. So as soon as you said, you know, baby crying, that's where I went straight to that was John Keel. <laughs> See, and my question for that one is for cats specifically, their meow is labeled off of a baby's cry. And the reason for that is the fact that they're trying to get human attention. Like cats don't interact with each other through the same type of meows that they use when they're trying to get your attention because they're purposely trying to sound like a human to catch your attention. So that being said with dog men, um, either one, assumably if you're trying to scream like an infant, I feel like you're trying to draw things in. And because if you were trying to draw stuff out, you would do like a man's scream or like a woman's scream, maybe not a woman's scream that might draw some guys in. But if you're trying to keep things away, I feel like the way to go would be like a guy scream, but I take anything doing an infant scream as intentionally trying to call somebody in. Yeah. And then that gets back to, you know, fey folk and missing persons and all that sort of stuff. And this idea of like babies crying being associated with even like Bigfoot sightings and UFO sightings and just basically anything strange or paranormal you don't have to dig too far to find all sorts of accounts of they heard, you know, the sound of a baby crying when there shouldn't have been a baby around there. I mean, this kind of falls into another concept that we've talked about frequently that things are able to mask themselves under other things. So at least this one, we can throw it into the category that it may be a dogman encounter or it may be some type of fae encounter. And I'm saying that because if the only thing that they catch is vocalizations, again, when it comes to the Fae, they seem like they're usually trying to draw people in. And assumably, if they're the Fae, they can kind of change their image. So maybe at least this first person that saw them and the only person that saw it 
it was trying to project an image that would scare them to keep them away from from them and that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what it necessarily looks like especially after just having the one encounter like there's a lot of doubt in my mind with it being fully like a like a standard dogman idea yeah i think from all the stories you've shared so far that's the one that to me sounds the most like there's something high strangeness going on and not just a flesh and blood cryptid. I mean, wherever that cryptid may come from, that's up for debate, but you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So now fast forwarding to 2001. Well, not fast forwarding. It's the same year, but I'm going to take you to, uh, Alpena, Michigan. They say my dad and I have a story to tell about our encounters with the dogmen. My dad's story took place in the middle of the seventies. There is a cemetery behind Alpena High School and a wooded area behind that. There are many trails that run through here. In this area is a place called the Sandies where all the young kids would go to party. My dad and two of his buddies came in in a canoe in broad daylight and paddled from the Sandies around the back of the cemetery. The banks of the river are 10 to 12 feet high in places and some trails run right to the edge. The three of them saw what looked to be a big dog running behind them on the trail. They didn't pay much attention to it until they heard a splash. When they looked, it was swimming after them. Then it went from a dog paddle to the chest and front legs coming out of the water and waiting after them. They decided right then not to wait around to see what it was. Honestly, I thought it was BS at the time, and I'm still not sure even to this day if it was something they had been smoking or drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Then around 2001, 2002, I was leading some friends through the Sandy's trails. I used to like taking people out there without a flashlight and tell them my dad's story to freak them out. The girls were freaked out before we even got into the woods, so I decided not to scare them that night. In the river are small, several islands connected by a small sliver of land. At the time, there was three such islands chained together, and I took them through to the last one, which was planted with pines in nice, even rows. I was the first one back there, about 30 seconds ahead, when one of the girls got her foot hung on something. As I was going back to help her, there was a spot where the trees make sort of a roof effect, which is really cool looking at night when the moon shines through. At this point, I saw something. I'm not sure what it was, but it sent me running out double time. When my buddy saw my face, he didn't say a word. He just followed, both of us dragging the girls behind us. When he asked me later why I came in such a hurry, I told him it was because I thought I had seen something at the other end of the island walking around the trees that was very tall and not likely human. He may have believed me, but he never questioned it either. I'm still not sure what I saw. It could easily have been that I scared myself with dad's story and was seeing things, but I know this. I still don't like the dark, and even though I love hunting... I hate going out before the sun comes up during deer season. That's a good one too. And, you know, starting off with the area was close to a cemetery. Of course, we know that all sorts of high strangeness stuff happens around cemeteries and that gets back to, you know, energies and Indian burial grounds and stuff like that. But the one that I thought was even more interesting, and this is going back to John Keel, this has been a, Kill heavy episode so far. 
But in Mothman Prophecies, he talks about how this kind of stuff happens a lot of times in areas that he calls like lovers' lanes. You know, like uh, Mothman, uh, the TNT plant was where kids went to, you know, smoke and drink and make out and shit. So the same thing going on here. So what is it about, you know, these areas or rituals, if you will, that these strange entities are drawn to? I mean, it could even be a matter of this. This is my best guess. But when people are getting hot and heavy, they give off presumably a pheromone, even if it's kind of like a sweat pheromone. And that being said, if there is an animal in the woods that is similar to humans or may possibly carry some of the same DNA, maybe it catches their attention, especially if they have heightened senses. Maybe they're able to smell stuff. And then they kind of start wandering out of like curiosity, like, is something breeding? Like, what's that smell? Like, what's going on? So I feel like more often than not, when it comes to these type of situations, the cryptids are more so investigating or trying to figure out what's going on. And as far as the people in the car, they're, they're, uh, their guard is down because they're, you know, a little bit busy at the time. So preoccupied. they don't get that initial, like, you know, most people are in the woods and they start hearing stuff moving around them and they start kind of keeping an eye out and know what's going on. You take that away completely, and there's just an just a creature on top of you, and you're just like, oh shit! <laughs> and if you're also not like making noise or directly noise back at it to try to keep it away from you, then it's well, going to keep I mean, getting you're closer and closer. Some sort of noise in that situation. Well, different noise. You're not like you know, <laughs> you're pertaining your noise, assumably, to the inside of a car, or <laughs> you're 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 incapacitated for the time being. And I'm sure that no other animals in nature know that at all. <laughs> Like, it's all south of the Mason-Dixon <laughs> at that point. And that's why you can't run, is because uh, your blood's somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's a good one. Um, yeah, and the prophet Bubbles, you know, he said when he was running from the Sam Squanch that he had never been so randy in all his days or something like that. So. <laughs> Getting the go. dog man, Randy. Lanes. Yeah, they're actually just trying to come up and uh, you know have a interspecies orgy. It's not even that they're trying to attack you; like they just want to get in on that action. That's pretty kinky, man. (laughs) They're very progressive. These dogmen going to the Mothman. He's like, "Come on, guys! I just wanted to join." He's not chasing the car because he's trying to scare you. He's mad because you left him at the orgy by himself. Well, who wants to be stood up at the orgy? I mean, at that point, it just turns into masturbation, and it's sad. That's going to be my emo band. Instead of Panic at the Disco, it's going to be Stood Up at the Orgy. (laughs) Solo Orgy. (laughs) By Fall Out Boy. Fall In Boy. Oh. Oh. If you're lucky. That's what the dogman's trying to do. Then you're good to go. The Boone's Farm catching hell. We have fun around here. (laughs) If you guys can't tell. You gotta, you gotta have a little bit of comic relief in the show because we cover some uh, dark, heavy topics about people getting attacked and having bizarre encounters. So we have to lighten up the mood at least a little bit here. <laughs> well, we're we're always gonna take it somewhere. You <laughs> just need to know that. <laughs> Assumably south. <laughs> yes, always south. <laughs> Where are all the bloods flowing to? Ooh. ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so now. Taking you guys to Lansing in 2006, before we get into uh, some of the super duper fascinating encounters that I've dug into, I got to get through this one first, of course, because I try to do this stuff in uh, timeline order. 
So, Lansing, 2006. While driving on an isolated road in Lansing, Michigan, back in May of 2006, a man named Ron slowed down for what he thought was a deer. All of a sudden, a human-like hand, except much larger than a normal human's hand, reached over the edge of the hill, and his huge silhouette came into view. What came out of the dark, darkened hillside was a massive man with a wolf-like face. Ron said, It was much larger than a normal man, and it had a wolf-like face, and its eyes reflected in my headlights. It just sat there and looked across the field on the other side of the road, and then it just very calmly turned its head and looked right at me. He sat frozen in fear until it began moving down the hill. Then Ron sped away before it could come any closer. I hit the gas and flew past it, and when I got to the stop sign, I stopped and looked into the rearview mirror, and it was sitting in the middle of the road, just looking at my car. He bolted again, and this time, he didn't look back. So, our buddy Kevin from the Where the Weird Ones Are podcast, if any of our listeners have not checked out that podcast, we highly recommend it. He's a super cool dude. He's doing some cool things over there. But anyway, he has a dogman story, and we're going to try to get him to come on a future episode and tell that story. But a lot of things you kind of highlighted in that one sounds a lot like yeah. his story. Yeah, I was going to say, don't spoil it. Don't no, spoil no, it. I, I'm not going to, but like about like the hand and looking back yeah. and stuff. Like I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, so we definitely need to have him come on at some point and tell his story. Hopefully we can do it uh, after the Michigan ones. That'd be really cool. Set something up and uh, possibly get you guys some uh, firsthand dogman encounters right from the experiencer's mouth instead of me reading back their stories in a very choppy way. (laughs) (laughs) And again, that is uh, where the weird ones are. So all y'all check that one out. So now fast forwarding to one of my favorite ones that I found in 2006 in Troy. This one is pretty mysterious in the aspect of there's not a lot of information on it. It's a dogman. It's an OnStar call of somebody getting attacked, theoretically, by a dogman. Now, the weird part about this one is the fact that I've been chasing this one on the internet for the past year, and every single time I find it, it seems like the clip ends up disappearing or getting pulled down. And this time I lucked out and I was able to find it recently, but it almost seems like every single time I try to make reference to this clip, I have to find it right beforehand because if I just find it a week prior, it'll just disappear. And now the other weird part that goes with this one, and I will play, I'll play that clip after this OnStar call, um, after I get your guys' reaction, because I want you guys to hear this and kind of give me your two cents in on it. Uh, The strange part about it was that GM released a prank fun on star werewolf attack now when you look this stuff up on the internet 90 percent of what you're going to find is this fake call so for me at least i started seeing that as is this a deterrent that this original dogman call there might be some validity to it that it's a real thing and the intention of the prank fun werewolf attack call was so that when people are searching shit on the internet they find that instead of this or if they hear this they associate it with that and think that it's all part of this fun Halloween prank phone call. But without further ado, I got to play you guys this uh, weird, eerie, on-star dogman call encounter. On-star emergency, this is Kyle speaking. How can I help you? 
Hello? Something just ran in front of us on the road. We're in the ditch. We, we rolled over. How many people are in the car, and is anyone injured? There's two of us. I, I, th I don't think we have any injuries. Is the car on its top or wheels or what? No, it's kind of sitting on its side. Hold one moment, please, while I contact emergency services. Okay. <laughs> okay, the state police should be on their way in a few minutes. Is everyone still okay? Yeah, I think we're okay. What ran in front of you? A deer? I, I don't know what the hell it was, but it was big. It looked like a great big dog. Standing up. Was it a bear, maybe? Maybe, I don't know. Oh my God. Sir? Hello? So, before I play the other clip, I want to get your guys' input on what you guys think about that one, because there are some aspects to it, of course. Like When it comes to OnStar, one thing that I kind of throw out is like the OnStar side of the call, because a lot of that stuff is scripted as far as like they do the same calls all the time. They kind of have to throw the same information. But when it comes to like the actual people's voices, I don't know, there's just something that just seems authentic about it. Like The scream is just... At least for me, like I still have my, my sense of doubt, of course, like when it comes to most things, but this particular one just kind of hits like a tone in the back of my head and it just makes me feel unsettled. Like there's, I feel like there's something weird to it. Well, yeah, I mean, even like 911 dispatchers, they follow a script. So obviously the OnStar guy is going to be following a script. And as far as like the other side of it, like, I mean, there's a lot of, just how it struck me, there's a lot of, dead airtime, de dead airspace, whatever you want to call it. Like, I almost think if you were trying to fake something, it would have almost been a little more over the top than that was, you know? Yeah, yeah, and the fact that they seemed to calm down. Like, he was like, I don't know, might have been a bear, and then bam. Yeah, like, no, it sounds to me pretty legitimate because you know like you said um you know disinformation whatever this prank fake one that was put out that doesn't sound like that to me like i think if you're going to go through the efforts of making something that was supposed to trick people basically I think you would make it a little more over the top than that. It was just how it struck me. Like not saying that's not crazy, but I don't know. It, it did kind of strike a chord of legitimacy with me, especially the screaming at the end. Like it sounded like authentic screams, not like a staged scream. Yeah. Um, and just like how the guy was acting, it didn't seem like it was forced to me. Like he was still flustered. Like, he had no idea what was going on. Like, there was just, like, an authentic tone to his voice. Yeah, like, he was flustered that, obviously, you had this thing run out in front of you and you got in this accident, but, okay, everybody's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. seemed like that he'd calmed down. Like, they had calmed down. Yeah. No, it, it struck me as a very normal response to have in that kind of situation. Can you imagine that, dude? Just, like... You first of all, just to add onto it even more, it's like a cherry on top. 
you get into a car accident, you're already traumatized by that because you, something ran across the road and you end up in an accident in a ditch. And then on top of that, you're on a phone call with an OnStar person trying to get help. And then this creature assumably comes up and attacks the car. And I don't know what happened to these people afterwards. Like I said, this is like a super weird, mysterious thing that I can't find any other information on it other than the fact that it was recorded in 2006 in Troy, Michigan. I don't know what happened to these people. And more often than not, when it comes to these dogman things, I feel like murders and attacks happen frequently and are covered up frequently. And the reason why you don't hear about them, of course, is because anybody that would have actually been out and said what happened isn't around anymore. And anybody that's trying to rationalize it is going to instantly, no matter what in their head, because they're working for assumably like parks and recs or they're working for like the government as far as like police, things like that go, they're going to go random animal attack. That's that's the way they're going to go. I think the fact that you couldn't find any information about it adds more legitimacy to it because if there is a legitimate cryptid attack and like i've said you know i think it's quite possible that the government doesn't know much as much about aliens as people want to think i think they know a lot about cryptids and you know if this is a legitimate cryptid attack they're going to try to cover it up and i think the fact that they released this you know prank werewolf on star call later yeah to kind of flush this story out. It's kind of the same thing as the weather balloons and the train derailments and whatever. Like, uh, what is this trying to, you know, keep you from looking at? So, and from what I could tell, at least, um, it seemed like that original post of the, I, I was trying to look back at the date of when GM originally like released this like Dogman call. And it's been re-released a few times, but the date that I see that it came out, the earliest that I could find, and if anybody can else can dig it back even farther, that'd be awesome. But it looks like it was 2007. So it did come out after this encounter happened. Well, that would be perfect timing, mm-hmm. you know? Right after. Because, <laughs> yeah. again, not being able to find much information on it, like this attack could have happened in like December of 2006. And it was floating around. Um, it had to have time before it kind of surfaced and then maybe they tried to play it off and maybe they released it on like Halloween because it seems like they, you know, like a werewolf attack. It seems like they're trying to intentionally do it like a Halloween theme thing. So I'm assuming that even just like statistically speaking, trying to play it smart and not seem like they're doing some fishy shit. I feel like your only option would be to release it around Halloween. <laughs> well, and 2006, 2007, I mean, that was basically a hundred years ago for all intents and purposes. I mean, the internet and social media and everything like that was not anywhere near what it is now. So like if yeah. something like that happened now, I mean, it would be all over Twitter or TikTok or whatever, but back then, yeah, you could have probably put it off a few months till Halloween to release your fake video. So no, that makes a lot of sense to me. Saying sites like the popular sites, there's a lot less popular sites. So like, Back in 2006, there would have been like two websites that you would have uploaded this on in order to get the information out. And if you're looking at it from the government aspect, it was a lot easier to silence information back then because rather than trying to delete something off of hundreds of websites, it would have only been uploaded on two because there would have only been like two video fucking server type websites at the time or audio based websites for posting things like that. Unless it's, you know, you go into the dark web and all that kind of shit. That's like a whole other thing, but... (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, I mean, I think the more we talk about it and kind of workshop it, I I think I believe it. 
That's how I felt. I kind of, I'm one of those people that goes off my gut instinct. And like the first time that I heard that, and again, all the listeners make your own decisions. I'm just stating my opinion and that's what it is at the root of it is just an opinion. But like, I, I trust my gut feeling on it the first time. And I just, I, I feel like it's authentic. Well, and kind of a crude analogy, but okay. If you watch like the original Jurassic park from 1993, that one looks better than the one that just came out. Why is that? Because they're practical effects. It's a real thing. It doesn't matter how good special effects get. We as human beings, our eyes, our brains, know when something isn't real. And I feel like a lot of these like AI, fake, Bigfoot, whatever, you can still kind of tell it's not real. Like That struck me as not fake, though. And I'm not... It, hell, it could be, but I don't know. It, it that did not have the stink of a hoax on it to me. And at the root of it, like we mentioned, you guys decide for yourselves. But I guess I will play this uh, other OnStar call so you guys can hear the other prank variation or whatever the hell they were trying to play it off as. But you guys just got to hear it for yourselves. So you guys can see, can this see it, right? This is a fictional OnStar call. The voices used during this call are impersonations. Enjoy. Connecting to OnStar. OnStar Emergency, this is Tom. What is the nature of the emergency? Ah! I'm being chased by a werewolf! Okay, miss, I can get you out of harm's way. Are you going to call the police? My partner is alerting first responders as we speak. However, if a werewolf sees the police, he will grow more agitated and become more dangerous. So I'll need you to listen to me very carefully. Okay. I see you're driving a 2015 Chevrolet Volt on I-605 outside of Los Angeles. Is that correct? Yes. And I just ran a quick diagnostic report, which shows you have a full tank of gas and a fully charged battery, so you can make it approximately 380 miles. Well, yeah, I just left home. I'm on my way to work. I don't see how this is relevant. Stay with me. It's critical. The sun rises today at 7.02 Pacific Standard Time. That's two hours from now. I'm going to find you a route with plenty of HOV lanes so you can stay out of congestion and continue moving at a fast pace. And luckily, you're driving a silver vault. So? Werewolves hate silver. And the vault has an aerodynamic design that allows you to drive quick and smooth with extremely low drag. In short, you look like a silver bullet. He might be after you, but as long as your car is moving, he'll be afraid to actually attack. Are you sure? Yes. I'm sending turn-by-turn -turn directions to your car right now. You have enough range to outlast the werewolf. Keep in mind he will turn back into a person once the sun comes up. Okay, directions are now being downloaded to your vehicle. You're sending me to Las Vegas? Yes, there's plenty of charging stations there. Is that all right with you? Yeah, I guess I can make a trip out of it. Great. Is there a certain hotel or casino you'd like to be directed to? Um, Treasure Island. Excellent choice. Werewolves aren't big swimmers. Yeah, so <laughs> you guys get the energy okay. of that one. That It almost all seems right. like it's making fun of the original call. That yes. makes me believe the other one way more. Yeah, because too. why would you make that? Like, yeah. It's not funny. It's not clever. Like, it's so fucking it, cheesy that it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it's stupid. It's like, literally poking fun at the other one, making fun of it. Trying. Yeah, he even said the thing about sending first responder. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, like that makes me believe the other one even more. Like, I almost wonder if their intention is that people don't check the dates and then they think that the original main call was somebody trying to make a more serious version of this call. So maybe they intentionally try to play it off being as goofy as possible so they can say, oh, that was just somebody, you know, trying to trying to make a more serious, fun version of our call. Or, you know, 99% of the people who even stumble upon something like that 
aren't going to probably put that much effort or energy into it. And the people that are just the weirdos like us and, you know, they're not really worried about that. I feel like it's just like the normal everyday people. And so they put this out there and, Oh no, that, that was just that fake, uh, really clever Halloween prank. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Speaking of audio stuff, by the way, I love how she goes, I'm being chased by a dog man, but I'm in my car. But the original like call when it comes in is the, is a werewolf growling. So it's like, yeah. All right. So if it's chasing your car, why is it in your car and answering the fucking phone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I mean those plot twists she is the phones, werewolf man <laughs> yeah, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> but no I mean that makes total sense to me as like disinformation cover up or whatever you want to call it at that point but I see no reason why General Motors would have spent the time and exactly. effort and energy and exactly. money. Like to promote your OnStar, I, I could think of a lot of other ways to do it aside from that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, I don't know. Even, even the aspect of it just turns into like, like a sale ad after a certain point. And, uh, like, I haven't really heard too many people like touch base on this, weirdly enough. And it's like, you think it was, it would be something that, more people in the community would hear about and start connecting the dots. But at least for me and stuff that I've dug into, I haven't heard anybody like make a connection between those two calls and start producing theories on it. But again, it's like it almost makes it easy to create theories on it because of how mysterious they made the original call with the minimal information. Well, I feel like unless you know about the first call, the, you know, quote unquote legitimate one, even if you do run across this fake one, you're not going to think much about it. You know, this is something that was 15 years ago at this point. So I only found that fake call because I was trying to find the original call because I found it and I went to go back and talk about it on a show and I, the, all, all the files fucking weren't working. It was going to like, you know, broken links, all that kind of stuff. So I started just trying to quick search it on a show and every single thing that I came up with came back to that fake call. And it was just yeah. randomly one day I happened to come across the actual call again and I, uh, save the audio so i do have it on my board and then luckily before we started this show i was able to find it on youtube to make it a little bit easier for myself but <laughs> it's one you kind of have to dig for to try to find like it's not all over the internet but that fucking onstar fake werewolf attack that's that one's in abundance <laughs> well there you go that kind of tells you everything you need to know as far as i'm concerned <laughs> right <laughs> so i guess with that that's a good point to kind of bring it down a little bit, kind of wrap it up for you guys for today. Uh, we got a lot more that's going to be happening in part three, and that will be the final part of the Michigan Dogman series. Uh, just coming up so you guys get a little bit of a snippet on what we're going to be covering. Uh, we do have somebody who has had some government involvement moving back and forth with tracks. Uh, we have the legendary Gable film that we're, we'll be talking about on the next episode. And one of my personal favorites, an encounter that somebody had with a dogman near the Manistee Forest where they actually shot and fired at the dogman and there was some aftermath later on with some government officials and I don't want to give it away but part three is going to be a killer. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. We left all the all the best stuff for part three because that's, that's the way to go. <laughs> We're not like Hollywood. We don't put all of our effort into the first part and make part two and part three trash. We, we ended on a high note, on a, on a good solid note. <laughs> This is going to be the return of the Jedi of the Dogman series. Ooh, I like that reference. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, if any of our listeners want to contact us or contribute to the show in any way, uh, I mean, that goes back to 
you want to share your encounters or if there's anybody out there, researchers, artists, uh, writers, anything of that nature, please uh, reach out to us on social media or through our email at bizarreencounters at outlook.com. You guys can also go to the link tree and you guys can fill out the submission form up at the top. That goes to our email. And uh, like I mentioned in the beginning of the show, more often than not, everything seems to go to spam or junk. So keep an eye out there because we do respond to every single message we get. And uh, if you guys are enjoying the show, don't forget to uh, leave a five-star rating and review. Uh, Definitely appreciate it. Uh, We want to build up some of the reviews and then we get to a good spot. Uh, We're going to read them all out on the show, give you guys all a bunch of shout outs because we love you guys and we appreciate you. Oh, and all the links that we've mentioned are listed in the link tree in in the show description. I've been Shane. I've been Orin. And I've been Jenny. And we're the Bizarre Crew. And don't be afraid to keep it bizarre. 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 Bizarre.